Welcome to the Golf Life Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Toby Ragland. And today we have a special uh, fill-in co-host, Corky Kemp, who has been on staff with College Golf Fellowship since 2005. Uh, Corky played a huge role in reaching out to me as a Florida Gator down in Gainesville, Florida, even though he was in Greensboro, South Carolina. Uh, Grateful to have you on today, Corky. How are you doing? Good, Toby. I do live in Greensboro, North Carolina, but I appreciate the shout out. And uh, I say South Carolina. I'm pumped to uh, to be with you guys, and even for a, for a Wolfpack guy myself, uh, the opportunity to interview a, a Tar Heel. Uh, you know, sometimes things are go beyond college rivalries, and I think uh, what we're going to talk about today will go beyond that. But um, I'm yes. super excited to be with you guys and to to help uh, along the way. So you alluded to our PGA Tour guest today as a Tar Heel. Uh, we have from Greenville, South Carolina. Got that right. Uh, Mark Wilson. Mark, how are you doing? Hey, Toby and Corky. Uh, yeah, I'm honored to be on with you guys. And, uh, yeah, feeling feeling pretty good. I'll feeling pretty much every year of my 48 years old, I will say that. There we go. And where where are you right now as you uh, sit in your car recording this podcast? I am in Lexington, South Carolina, which is just outside of Columbia, uh, going to be watching my son compete in the state junior here uh, shortly. Awesome. Well, good luck to him. Uh, I'll let Corky kind of start us off with a question he has on his mind. Uh, so, Corky, why don't you uh, start off for us? Absolutely. Thanks, Toby. All right. So, Mark, let's go back 21 years. I think it's 1992. And not many people can say that they've been two up with five holes to go in a USGA event against Tiger Woods. And I would just love to hear kind of, first of all, how the first, what would that be, 31 holes of that match, kind of your mindset, and then if anything changed as you were kind of coming down to the finish line. Yeah, it was a, it was a magical week. There's no question about it there. And uh, uh, just outside of Boston uh, and at Wollaston Golf Club and, and, yeah, playing against Tiger Woods, and, and, and I had him. Just so many people have that same story, though, don't they, Corky? They had him. Had him up against the ropes. I uh, I was having so much fun uh, playing in front of a ton of people. We had probably 2,500 people walk in with us. Uh, and you know how different it is a USGA event like that, especially a junior. There's not gallery ropes anywhere. People are just around. And uh, I almost felt like I was watching it on a movie. It was kind of funny and how calm I was out there. And, and Tiger, as you, you know, Corky, we saw him in junior golf ever since he was – uh, a young teenager, he was the story wherever he went, and he somehow still delivered and won all those tournaments. And uh, yeah, I kind of just every match had its own little thing, right? So I was just happy to even get to where I did to, to play against him. We actually were one and two in the stroke play. He was the medalist. I finished second, so it was kind of fun to have one and two to meet. And and uh, that summer, I was playing some really good golf. Finally, getting some colleges to be interested in me uh, versus me always calling or sending the letters out. They actually were coming to watch me and, and uh, you know, maybe it was the, it was definitely some of the lack of experience to get that done. Right. I still were hitting driver off the deck on 14, this par five, trying to knock it up near the green, hitting a bad spot, made a silly bogey. Uh, But I think the turning point for me was on 16 really when I hit a wedge in there about 10 feet from the hole, had a birdie putt. And, uh, and Tiger was in front of me, hit a wedge that looked like it flew over the green and it landed in the back rough. 
Uh, but there was a slope back there. And when that ball landed, I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm about to go two up. And instead, that ball spun back down the hill to tap-in range. And I missed my pot. And he obviously makes birdie. Uh, so now we're square with two to go. And, and on 17, I still remember us both having par putts. He had about a six-footer, and I had a seven-footer. And I, I wish I could be this calm over six-footers that mean a lot down with Corky. But I was so calm over that. I rolled it right in. Uh, and I walked over to the side of the green and my head just going, let's see what this guy's really got. He was going for his second U.S. junior in a row. And sure enough, he buried that thing. No problem. Uh, we both made a mess of the 18th hole. He made less of a mess and uh, he tapped in for, uh, for his bogey, which won the, uh, which won the tournament. And I was, I was a little devastated at the time, but in the end, so much good came out of that because I, I was able to get a college scholarship to university of North Carolina to play. Uh, college golf. I think that was a big part of it. Uh, and being able to, you know, be amongst Tiger Woods when he was developing and then to play against him in professional golf, it's it's a memory that I have for, for a long time. And, and I'm glad you brought it up. Absolutely. Well, you've been a great player for a long time. And that's just one of the few stories we'll talk about today. But uh, yeah, take us into that kind of that college decision. I know I'm, I'm a huge fan personally of the ACC. And um, I know kind of from, from our generation, tons of guys went out to play on the PGA Tour. But, uh, yeah, give us some highlights of your time at uh, there in Chapel Hill. Yeah, I just, just choosing Chapel Hill was, uh, it was interesting, too. And I had some interest from other colleges, too. And, 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 you know, just kind of going down that road of a lot of great opportunities to play college golf somewhere, whether it was Oklahoma State, North Carolina, Virginia. Uh, Duke. It's kind of funny how different my life could have been because Duke was definitely right there as a possibility to go. And 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 now you know, as as being a Tar Heel, you you despise Duke, right? It's just kind of the. But if I had gone to Duke, it'd been the opposite. Those heels would have been really annoying, and we would have loved watching the heels not make it to the NCAA basketball tournament this past year. Uh, Chapel Hill was a great school in the sense that it was great athletics. Uh, a lot of great teams, whether it was the women's soccer team that won the national championship, it seemed like every year, uh, Mac Brown was the football coach at the time. And he was, uh, he had a, a top five program. We couldn't get past Florida state, but it was still fun to go to football games. And of course, basketball was, uh, was the highlight with, uh, Jerry Stackhouse and Rasheed Wallace coming in as my freshman year, uh, and watching them, uh, you know, with a lot of wins Didn't get a national championship when I was there, but we certainly had a lot, a lot of great memories. Uh, the, the school, uh, was, uh, you know, a lot of fun just walking around campus and, and going to classes and, and bonding with your teammates. I mean, that was my big thing is that, you know, my teammates were my fraternity. The golf team was my fraternity. Uh, it went by really fast, Corky, as I know yours time did too. Four and a half years there, it took me to graduate. Uh, and, and it was just like, you know, it was eight to 12. You go to class, grab some lunch, go to the golf course from one to six, one to seven every day, basically. And then, a lot of times we go to Pinehurst on the weekends if we didn't have a tournament to go play. Uh, and then you try to have a social life in there too. And, and before you know it, it's, it was time to graduate and uh, don't get back to Chapel Hill as much as I'd like to. Uh, but now that I live in Greenville, South Carolina, a lot easier drive than Chicago where I lived for 20 years. I plan to get to a lot more football and basketball games. Yeah. That'll be special going back. I'm sure. And uh, Toby Ragland obviously knows, a lot about playing big time college golf. He played at Florida and I'd be remiss if I didn't tell this story of uh, Toby taking Billy Horschel down in a seven hole playoff his senior year at the home tournament, the Gator Invitational. 
So Toby can relate there as well. But Mark, you won the uh, you won the Ben Hogan Award. I think it was 1996. That's and, right. Um, tell us, just kind of was that was that where they would take you out to um, to Fort Worth and and do the award ceremony like they do now, or how was it back then winning the Ben Hogan Award? Back then, it was it was different uh, qualifications. It was actually for the top student athlete in golf. So it wasn't just golf. It was also based on what you did in the classroom. So uh, Trip Keeney had won it the year before me. Uh, a guy named Jeff Fairbrook was up there, too. Got a, I think he had straight A's his whole time in college, played at Texas. It was it was more that. And so I was, you know, I was proud of it in that sense uh, because, you know, I was trying to be a student athlete. I was, wasn't just playing golf. I was trying to get the best grades I could and utilize that scholarship to, uh, uh, to do the best I could in the classroom and to try to try to learn. Um, uh, back then they did it at NCAA. So I, I was, it was the honors course my junior year when I'd won that. And I remember my coach telling me I'd won it. I was like, Oh boy. And he goes, yeah, it means you're going to do a speech in front of everybody. And, and it was, uh, it was at the NCAAs, I think before the tournament started, I want to say it was you know, maybe before the first round or maybe after the first practice round, something like that, where, you know, we had a big banquet and we were in there and, and I, um, uh, you know, accepted the award there. Eddie Marins, uh, there, the, the, the pro from Bel Air who was kind of heading up the whole thing, gave me the trophy and, and, uh, certainly was, it was an honor. And, and, you know, to, to ask you to be recognized in front of my peers and funny story about, you mentioned Fort Worth for the longest time, the trophy there that they housed at Colonial Country Club had Mark Wilson from North Texas University. And I was like, North Texas, you know, I was like, I know that the trophy's housed here in Texas, but it's North Carolina. And I'd go look at that every year at Colonial. We walked by and, and, and eventually they did change it after I, after I finally mentioned it to him, you know, for a while I was like, ah, whatever. But then I'm like, no, I should have that corrected. And, and they changed it for me. So yeah, I'm proud of that honor for sure. That is yeah. awesome. That was, I've always admired kind of your diligence and I've heard stories that in, College golf, not many guys do this, Mark, but I heard stories that in practice you would carry your golf bag with full umbrella, full rain suit, uh, with the thought that you don't want it to be any different if it's a cloudy day or a stormy day in a college golf tournament. So you're going to be ready, and it's not going to be any different than practice. Are those stories true, or is that just hearsay? No, that's true, and it's almost yeah, it's almost embarrassing. I think I was, I was whatever I had in me, even when I was twelve, thirteen, fourteen years old, I was doing stuff at like Wisconsin Junior Tour events, just the same same kind of stuff. I wore pants every round when I was, I think it was age fourteen, because I wanted to be like the pros. They wear pants, um, but my mom said, "All right, fine, if you're going to wear pants, even and Wisconsin does get warm in the summers. I know everyone thinks it snows there twelve months of the year, but no, it's warm." Uh, she's like, all right, got to wear pants or I'm going to get you white pants. So I wore white pants. I had like seven different pairs of white pants. I rotated all summer long. Uh, eventually I started wearing shorts. I think when I was 15 years old, I, I, I got a little smarter then. And do you remember like a specific moment when you were like watching a PGA tour event or at one going, Hey, that's what I want to do. I, I, I remember watching the Greater Milwaukee Open at Tuckaway Country Club uh, with my dad and, and watching Mark Kalkovacchia hit this flop shot from this deep rough and going, wow, that was amazing. And I wouldn't say I was like, oh, I want to do that. Uh, uh, it seems so distant, not even possible, but at the same time, it was it was intriguing. And, uh, uh, you know, as you kind of go through college golf, 
I wasn't sure, you know, if I could, if I could even make it on a TGA tour, but when you had guys like a Justin Leonard who would, uh, go off because they were the U S amateur champion and then go play in a PGA tour event and make the cut. And like, I played alongside him and it's like, yeah, he's better than me, but I, you know, I could see me maybe playing similar golf to him. And that was kind of the, the time I think in college where I thought th- there's a possibility, but, but before that it was, it was kind of a pipe dream. I will say. So along with that, I think a lot of the guys listen to this, uh, are either in college or playing pro golf and, so you graduated at UNC in 1997. Your first win on the PJ Tour was 10 years later. Is that right? 2007, I believe. That's right. So yep. kind of take us take us through that that 10 year journey uh, that not really many people get to fulfill those dreams, but that you know fulfilled dream of winning the PJ Tour. Kind of what were those 10 years like for you, Mark? Uh, it's certainly a roller coaster, and I'd say with a whole lot lot more dips than than the highs, right? Uh, but there were certainly highs along the way. I felt like I, I, I was able to accomplish something at each level, whether it was junior golf, amateur golf, but then even in the professional golf when I turned pro, was fortunate enough to have seven sponsors that, that I got in terms of just individuals in my life, whether it was my uncle, uh, whether it was um, some influential people in our family's lives that decided to help me out, which gave me the freedom to go out there and play mini tours and qualified for the Hooters tour and did Monday qualifiers and I was able to win, ironically enough, in Greenville, South Carolina, my first win on the Hooters Tour in my first year as a pro, and now that's where we call home. It's kind of funny. Um, but as I was, you know, doing all that, I was you go to Q School. That was every, All year long was the preparation to get through Q School because you could get your PGA Tour card right away. And, uh, you know, it took me seven trips until I finally got through. Uh, had one year on the Corn Ferry Tour, even went over and played in Australia. Uh, you know, I was open to anything, right? It was one of those where, you know, golf was, I wanted to give it my all. And, and the moment I decided maybe it wasn't for me, I was going to have that degree to fall back on and, and we'll do something else with my life. But I'm going to, I'm going to do everything, whether it's going to the Dave Pell short game school, with working with my teacher, um, countless hours in a, in a Milwaukee park, just out there by ourselves, shagging golf balls, trying to find something that I could take. Uh, to the golf course, uh, I still remember going over to Australia and uh, after missing at first stage, my third year as a pro, and I'm like, I, I can't wait three more months to play the first Hooters event. I want to go do something. And, and my um, my then manager, Eddie Urkmana, said, go, you know, uh, the Australian Q School is going on. Why don't you go do that? And so I went over and I still remember getting over there. We as a, as a team had gone over to Australia for a nice little fun Christmas trip. Uh, which was which was a really cool experience. So I, I knew Australia a little bit, but now I'm by myself, passport in hand. But now you're driving on the other side of the road. I still remember the first day I got there, uh, I had got my rental car. And if you've ever driven on the other side of the road, the steering wheel's on the other side. I found myself veering left a lot. And so I kind of ran the guy into a curb. I kind of ran him sort of off the road. And I look in my rearview mirror and I see, like his hubcap fly up in the air. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, that was my fault. You know? So I pull over and found out it's not New York city, uh, Sydney, Australia, because the guy eventually, he invited me over for, to his house for dinner. Oh, my wife's cooking dinner. Why don't you come over and then have a meal with us? I'm like, Oh, I like Australia here. You know, I thought the guy was going to be cursing me out. Instead I helped him fix his flat. We went to his house and and, and had dinner. And that's uh, that's kind of how my Australian tour day started and I played that tour a little bit 
Cabord Ferry Tour, which was then called the Buy.com Tour way back in the day, and, and eventually got my PGA Tour card in 2003. And, 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 all, and all along, you know, I had a belief in myself. Uh, you know my game, Corky. It's, it's not – I always feel like I – when people play with me, even when I was on the PGA Tour, I felt like I gave a lot of people a false sense of hope that they could play on the PGA tour too. So I do not have a very flashy game. I don't hit it far. Um, I, you know, I, I hit some quality iron shots, but I, I don't, I don't flush it like some guys do or most guys of the PGA tour. I get up and down from some, some, from some crazy spots and lo and behold, I, I have some good scores, but I think a lot of people walk along and go, ah, I could, I could probably do that PGA tour thing. Uh, but uh, it, it's been a great journey along the way. And, and, and you know, those 10 years where I, I think about all those lonely hours that I practiced by myself uh, to kind of to, to find my game and find what worked and clicked for me uh, made, me, made me a lot more grateful to get to the PGA Tour and win on the PGA Tour in 2007 than if I would gotten right out to the PGA Tour uh, right out of college. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually grateful certainly for, uh, you know, those, those valleys I had to go through. Yeah, as, as you're talking there, Mark, I'm just thinking, you know, leaving no stone unturned, uh, kind of that self-belief. Those seem to be common themes of the guys that end up making it out there. I remember reading an article about you one time, and the article mentioned how you had a, a practice where you would journal after every round, and you would write uh, your best drive from the day, your best iron shot from the day, and your best putt from the day. And... um can I maybe give us a little glimpse into just your, you know, maybe the mental edge? Cause you know, it's like me, you know, five, nine, one fifty. you know, not, you know, somebody walks down the driving range, they're not going to pick you to win the tournament, but yet you won five times on the PGA tour. So kind of maybe a little glimpse into like, how do you think uh, mentally you had an edge on the field? Well, I was willing to put in the work mentally and reading books, um, spending time with Dr. Coop, but, uh, Dr. Richard Coop, who worked with guys like Payne Stewart and Corey Pavin on the PGA Tour. He was at University of North Carolina, so I could go in and pick his brain during office hours, um, you know, that he had for his classes, his psychology classes. Uh, I wasn't scared to go ahead and do that kind of stuff, and, 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 and I still am not. I'm still reading and trying to get, get that gets all that in to me. But, but the biggest change for me was really when I met Dr. Bob Rotella and that was through my caddy of uh, 11 years on the PGA tour, Chris Jones. It was our first year together and I kind of struggled one Sunday and, and he just thought I was pretty uptight and, and just, just being really too hard on myself. He's like, you got to talk to Dr. Bob. I'm like, all right. So I called uh, Dr. Bob and he's the one who gave me that, that idea to, to just, write down my favorite shots in a given day. And, and, and it was great advice. I still do it to this day because I think it's really important that you dwell on those. And, and if you dwell on the positive enough, you're bound to forget the, the negative. It's so easy in professional golf to, or in, in golf in general, to remember the couple of shots that you let go awry, right? Versus the ones that worked out in your favor. And uh, if you continue to sit there and think about the, the five iron you flushed or that, that, that tough driving hole that you pulled off that drive or that, that six footer to maybe make the cut on the number and you journal about that or how you're feeling and write down those things, you know, you're bound to remember them better when you're faced with them the next time. And so that's something I try to do when I'm playing now. Um, 
as I go about competition, whether it's just playing at the club at Thornblade, playing a game, uh, whether it's uh, playing on the Corn Ferry Tour or eventually on the PGA Tour Champions, that only takes to that to, to just kind of fall back on those those good memories and, and to remind myself that I've been there, done that, and why, why can't I do it again? Yeah, I love how you were saying you might have given some guys some false hope um, of playing the tour. Uh, I think that speaks to just your competitiveness. And I, w- I would ask you, what do you say is the strength of your game if you take your whole career in context? And I have a follow-up. I think that I never, yeah, Toby, I think that I, that I never give up. I think it's really that, that I'm going to just grind it out as hard as I possibly can. And, and uh, you know, so that's not an, necessarily a physical aspect of, of my game. I mean, it's easy to say short game because that's where you kind of grind it out. That's where you kind of grind out uh, your score. Um, but I think it's really just that, I've, that I'm, I'm never going to give up. Well, since you mentioned short game, um, give us one quick um, kind of ju- just around the green. Um, what would you advise like a think of a freshman in college? What's a drill or practicing you would give them to, to help foster that? I think the majority of your practice needs to be uh, with one or two golf balls, not just hitting a bunch of shots around the green, right? Yet there's time for working on technique. So I'm, you'll find me occasionally throwing, you know, 20 balls in a bunker and hitting the same shot over and over again. But the best practice I get is, uh, you know, when I'm actually hitting one to this hole and then one to that hole, and maybe I, maybe even put them in uh, or get a competition going. My, one of my favorite competitions uh, that uh, you do with some guys. Peter Malnati, a buddy of mine on the PGA Tour, we did it countless times, uh, was a game that we played to 21 points where you each had two golf balls, and uh, you know the closest to the hole got two points, the next closest one, the third closest zero, and the furthest from the hole was negative one. And you just kind of went around, and whoever got to 21 points first was the winner. And I just loved kind of doing that uh, with him. On a PGA Tour event, it's hard to do the – the pitch and putt game because there's usually too many golf balls flying around to do something like that. But you can you could do uh, close to the whole games like that. Um, so I would say that just that that you would focus some attention more on uh, you know individual shots versus uh, necessarily technique. So I love that that game twenty one. I think that's probably the best way to practice chipping for sure. Um, so back to your years on the. PGA Tour, Mark, I know you've been uh, involved with the, the Tour Fellowship and uh, mm-hmm. just would love to hear your thoughts about kind of how you how you heard about that, how you got involved um, back when you were playing um, full-time before a lot of the ESPN and PGA Tour radio you're doing. Um, you're probably traveling, what, 25, 30 weeks a year. Kind of what would that Tour Fellowship to Tuesday nights look like for you? I, I still remember walking into a, a small little room at the Sony Open, my first PGA Tour event as a member. This was 2003. And uh, yeah, I didn't really know a whole lot of guys on tour yet. I mean, I'd, I'd played college golf against Stuart Sink, for instance. But but I, I didn't know who I was going to see in that room, right? And, and I kind of opened up the door, and Tom Lehman's looking right at me. And I'm like, oh, boy. Oh, my gosh, we're really here. We're at the big sh- – yeah, I think it might have been number one in the world at the time. Like, we're really at the big show here. And, but everybody was really welcoming. And, and, and that's why I like what you guys are doing with college golf fellowship. You know, I didn't really have that in college. Uh, I, I went to a Lutheran high school and grade school growing up. So I, I had a lot of so-called religion, right? I, I knew the Bible stories, uh, went to church every Sunday, youth groups, all that kind of stuff. 
but I felt like I didn't dive deeper into the Bible as much as I have past that in the tour fellowships on the PGA tour and what you guys are doing with the college golfers. I would have loved to have had that in college. Uh, I didn't, you know, just kind of went to church once a month or something when I was at Chapel Hill, went to, uh, FCA meetings occasionally, but I didn't, I didn't really get connected. And so what I, what I see you guys doing, thankfully, uh, to the Lord that, that your staff has been able to expand so much that you guys have so many more, uh, so much more contact with different colleges around the United States. And I, and I love that. Um, and that's kind of what I felt Tuesday, Wednesday night Bible studies were like on the PGA tour where we had Larry Moody, Dave Kruger, uh, from search ministries, just diving into the, the word and you had the fellowship as well. And then when you college golf fellowship sort of took that over with Stephen Bunn, uh, Stephen gives me a hard time because I was kind of that, that guy sitting in the front row waiting for him to get started. And he would look at me, he goes, Mark, this is the fellowship time of the fellowship. You know, everyone's talking and everything. And, and I'm like, yeah, Stephen, but I want to get some good stuff for me. So let's go. Why don't you get started? Uh, but that's, that was a good, you know, that's a good reminder to me too, because it is, it's about the brotherhood. It's about the fellowship. It's about people and relationships. Uh, and that's a good reminder for me. And I think for a lot of golfers too, because it can be a lonely sport, right? You can go out there and practice uh, by yourself, pretty much game like things. You can't do that with tennis, for instance. You know, you, you yes, okay, you got some automatic machines, but you kind of need somebody else on the other side almost. So it was a good reminder for me that that fellowship to kind of to to get to know people and to kind of have that that similar bond that we have in Christ, and also know that we're all still just working through our faith and trying to learn some new things. We're not ever going to completely understand God, but boy, we certainly want to want to try to to understand him the best we can to to try to understand who he created each of us to be. Mm-hmm. That's good. I think for so many of us, you know, you kind of grow up and you have an intellectual acknowledgement of God, but uh, you know, each of us has our own different story and there's a, you know, path of kind of taking ownership of your faith. And I think whether it's uh, the tour fellowship or CGF, or like you said, FCA, like those groups are really good. And, you know, you kind of have a small group environment where you're, you're hearing some teaching, but then you have to process it and converse and, I think, you know, for so many guys, you learn so much more talking about things than just hearing a great message. And so um, kind of along those paths, I know, let's see, up in Chicago, you hosted several CGF retreats. And then now your first one down in Greenville, South Carolina with uh, you and Amy, which, by the way, you guys still hold the title for the best uh, food at CGF retreats because they always get their neighbors to cook phenomenal meals and warm breakfast instead of cereal and toast and whatnot, but the Wilsons are top notch. Um, yeah. Kind of going back to you guys hosting your first CGF retreats, kind of what were your hopes there and what's been your experience, Mark? Well, just hearing from other guys like Zach Johnson and, and Davis Love and, and Jay Bird and, and Webb and, and Ben Crane and what, you know, they were able to do with the retreats, even Justin Leonard, you know, talking uh, and Justin gave us some really interesting advice too, said, you can't buy enough plungers. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, so even that, even that kind of stuff. And the thought of having, you know, we've had basically had somewhere between 10 and 20 college golfers uh, at our retreat. So a very manageable number, but still trying to figure out where they're going to like sleep and all that. Well, usually they, 
uh, they end up going to the golf room, right? In Chicago, we had a, a basement with a simulator, and now in Greenville, we got a golf room uh, with a track man. So that usually ended up being the place where most guys like to like to sleep. But from the whole thing, I mean, it was it was just that once again, I mean, you know, I'm saved by grace, baby solely because Jesus Christ died for me and was raised again. I mean, that's, our, my, my Almighty Father decided to do that, right? And and it's one of those where I want to continue to understand who he is, understand who I am through that, and what better way to do it than with a bunch of um, a bunch of other people that maybe I don't know. It could be a little uncomfortable for them, uncomfortable for us a little bit, um, but we all come together in the name of golf. That's one thing that we share, and I, I just love that that aspect of it. And, uh, it's great for my kids. My kids love it. It's love seeing that these college golfers come in and let's face it. College is a, it's a vulnerable time, uh, for all of us, for all those, these kids and, and, and to, to have, uh, you know, some, some peers with you that are going through similar stuff with, with their college golf. Um, and then the temptations they're going through and just trying to find themselves and where they're going to go after college. Uh, it's a very uh, important time in their lives. And so, I, I, you know, it's, it's the least we can do is to kind of provide a place where they can congregate for 48 hours. And then you guys do an amazing job of, of facilitating activities we can do and, and really opening up the Bible with them. And the discussion is great. And all the just individual conversations that we have on the side, uh, you know, some kids are more, a little more shy than others, but eventually almost everybody pulls me aside and, and has an individual conversation with them. And, and I will say, I learned a lot from them. Believe me, I'm watching them on the golf course when we play and, and I'm, I'm really admire how they go about their business too. So uh, I hope that maybe they take some stuff from what I tell them, but believe me, I'm learning from them as well. And that's where I think, you know, pros like you and other gentlemen, you mentioned that played on the PJ tour, just opening up your house, welcoming guys. I mean, we're all in the same boat, no matter if you've never been to church or been your whole life. You know, we're all made in the image of God, loved by God, but we're all broken people in need of a Savior, and we can't earn our way to Him. It's purely by the work that Jesus has done on our behalf. And can I be able to process that during a retreat and even have the pro saying, guys, don't, you know, don't worship these, you know, five golden ping putters. Don't worship winning on the PGA Tour, like, the only one worthy of worship is the one who created us and having a tour player tell the college guys that it's just extremely powerful. So um, I know Toby joined us for your retreat uh, in Greenville just a few weeks ago. And um, Toby, how about a quick glimpse into the, uh, the Wilsons and their hospitality and, and kind of that retreat. What was your experience there in Thornblade with the Wilsons? I think the first thing that comes to my mind when you think about Mark's preparation was on the range at the Furman University Golf Club. Um, someone said he had snacks. And when he, when I heard he had snacks, you know, I was picturing a small little box of protein bars like we normally do. And he had a giant bag with that was, you know, subdivided into sections of different options. So, you know, we were quickly uh, going, all right, this guy's prepared. So, that was my first uh, retreat um, with you, Mark, and you, you guys blew it out of the park with how you did with the food. Uh, just the even the hostess snacks uh, were awesome to have. <laughs> but you know, one thing that was awesome is the fact that you actually got to teach, and so we divvied up Galatians between you know Corky, 
Nori Stain, myself, and then you got to do Galatians 3. And I think it was incredibly impactful uh, for guys that, uh, like Corky was saying, it's easy to, you know, see the tournament victory things on the wall, the golden ping putters and, and, and dream about those things. But then to sit in your living room, opening up God's word, uh, reading what the apostle wrote uh, some almost 2000 years ago, it's pretty awesome for them to hear uh, directly from you. And, and Amy did a great job in the Q and a as well uh, with Philip and Olivia Knowles and you just sharing stories of the journey. Yeah, it was great to have Philip there too with, you know, a guy just getting on the PGA tour and, and, and currently as we, as we record this, you know, he's recovering from injury and, 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 you know, when you, you, you go for something and you're there and all of a sudden it's kind of taken away from you. And then versus us who are kind of like, you know, now I'm kind of getting ready for the PGA tour champions. I haven't really played the PGA tour in five years versus this guy out there. I thought it was kind of fun to have both of us there in that Q and a, to get both sides of the story there for, for the guys in attendance and, and yeah, being able to open up the word, it, it, it sharpens me too, right? It kind of, it, it, it makes you accountable to, the time that you prepare for a talk like that. And I want to be able to, uh, you know, give God's word, um, you know, the, the right amount. I, I want to give it the right amount of uh, respect there so that I don't come off um, not knowledgeable. I want to do the best I can. So I put the preparation in and, and, and just talking through the, with the guys and, and, and hopefully the Holy spirit moves some, some hearts that, that week. And, and I'm sure it did because I know it moved mine. And Toby, you mentioned the, uh, the Q and A's. We always do a Q and A with the crow and his wife and, uh, Mark, you obviously married. Well, I feel like, uh, married. Well, I feel like Amy could be, you know, president of a fortune 500 company, but, um, kind of what's been your perspective. What are some of the things that you're most grateful for? I feel like a lot of guys that play on tour have super supportive wives and um, how has that played out in your marriage with, with you and Amy? I'm grateful that she is honest with me, too. I mean, there were you know times when it was just like, I, are you doing the right thing? Or is this even the right place to be going? And that's kind of how I got into the broadcasting, because it seemed like, um, you know, it, it was a little draining on our family, me sitting there trying to find it again and not really having any results happen. And, uh, and it was like, do I really, you know, how much time it takes to kind of try to figure this out sometimes and, uh, time away from everybody when the kids were young, it just seemed like it was time to step back. So I'm just grateful for, um, her love and support of me, but also being extremely honest, uh, through all of that. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to be able to compete at something that, that gets my juices flowing, right? Like, uh, you know, able to, a lot of people are able to do that for a long time, but then at times that ends and you're trying to find those, those ways where you, you can, you can kind of feel alive with, with competition. And, uh, you know, I, I was starting to feel jealous watching my son play flag football, for instance, or, or little league, and he's getting to do that. And I'm not really doing it anymore. And so I'm, I'm grateful for the, the PGA tour and the platform that it gives us professional golfers to go out there and compete against, our peers and these guys are really good, but being able to play some corn fairy events this year, as I prepare for the PGA tour champions, uh, man, those kids are good. They're, they're, they're so well prepared. Uh, they flush it a lot. They're able to make really smart strategic decisions. 
uh, the game's in a good place if you want to go out and watch people shoot some low scores on some difficult golf courses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Toby's going to ask some rapid fire questions, but real quick, we'll probably have some fathers listening, Mark. And I know you got three boys. You're at uh, to the state championship for Lane right now. Um, what's kind of been your philosophy in uh, raising your boys, and for those that are interested in golf, kind of how you've gone about it as a dad with your sons? I just want to give them, like my dad did, the opportunity. You know, I want to I want to give them opportunities and 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 nudge them in the right direction to do certain things, but I don't want to force it on them. You know, I want to. I, I know how, how much work it takes for most people. You know, there's some really <laughs> gifted people that maybe don't have to put as much time in as others, but for the most part, you got to put the time in. Not necessarily physically on the golf course, even. I I alluded to it earlier, just with some of the the maybe boring stuff, the diving into a textbook. Uh, or a, a Bob Rotella book. Uh, no offense, Bob. I think your books are awesome. But you know, it's like telling a teenager to go read a book is is a little tougher this day and age with all the the screens that are available. Um, you know, so I think it's just that give your kids opportunity. Um, certainly, don't live through them. I, I I do not get very nervous watching my kids compete. I just I have just such joy watching them out there doing it, whether they win or lose, whether they make double bogey or birdie. Um, but I feel like I can sympathize with them. That's the thing. Like I can walk alongside them at the end of the day when, when one of my kids finishes really well to have a great finish in a tournament or finish really poorly and be so disappointed. I go, yep, son, I know it's going to be hard to sleep tonight. Um, you're going to be replaying those last couple holes in your mind. And you're going to say, why did I do this? Why did I do that? I, and I feel for you, man. But you know what? These are the things that we're we're learning from, and it's going to make you better as long as you as you learn from from those. So that'd be my best uh, advice in terms of sports and being a father. Some good perspective. Yes, Toby. You got, yeah, Toby's got some rapid fire questions, I believe. Bring it. First question I'll ask is: What was your favorite tour stop um, for you guys to travel to as a family, just from an overall experience? It has to be Harbortown, uh, RBC Heritage off the off the charts. Uh, and a big part of that, though, is because we had family friends, the Duffies, who had some condos right off the 18th green, and they'd let us stay with them. So that, that was a big part of it. But at the same time, you know, being right there in the harbor, I love the golf course. Uh, we love the fellowship with the Duffies, with, with other people there. Uh, the tour daycare that week was, was phenomenal. The activities that we had for the – um, for the week, we're a lot of fun. So I, I'd have to, I'd have to go with Harbortown. Right. And, uh, dream foursome, um, anyone dead or alive. Yeah. I, I've listened to your podcast. So I had some time to think about this. I figured that was coming. Uh, it's gotta be Ben Hogan because that was a, a guy I always was intrigued as a kid. He's about the same size as me, five, eight, 150 pounds. I'm like, if he can win major championships, maybe I can do it too. And and uh, the hardships he went through too. I remember reading you know, his books, uh, the the biographies of his life, and it's just like, holy cow, this guy went through a lot. Uh, uh, so he would have to be that. I'd love to just see him flush it. You kidding me? I mean, when everyone says how good he hit the golf ball, I want to see it. Uh, the Golden Bear for sure. Jack Nicklaus, uh, the, the most winningest uh, major champion in history. I'd I'd love to. Uh, I kind of just missed him, right? As I got on the PGA Tour there, 2003, and, and you know he 
played some of his last events before that. So I, I miss playing with, with Jack Nicholas. I'd love to play alongside him just because he, he's his wife, Barbara has been really nice to Amy and everything they've done for the PGA Tour Wives Association. Jack's been, been very kind to me, including a exemption of the Memorial one time that I needed it. So I'd love to see him at those high towering drives with a persimmon wood. That would be a lot of fun. And then the final guy I'd go with is Paul Runyon. Uh, I think because we probably have very similar games. If you know who Paul Runyon is, his nickname was Little Poison. And from what I understand, you know, if he missed eight greens in a round, uh, he would not only get all eight up and down, he would chip one of those in as well. And so <clears throat> I would love to see a match between Ben Hogan, from what I understand, Ben Hogan, you know, and, some putting problems versus Paul running. Cause I feel like that's what I did as a 13, 14 year old. I wore some older kids out because they're like, what are you kidding me? This kid's getting up and down again. And so uh, if I could go around along the golf course with those three guys, it'd be a blast. I feel like Jack would have to play one tee back from you guys. You know, if we <laughs> pick y'all in your prime. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the persimmon driver from Nicholas, but what driver did you use going back to the 92 U.S. Junior that you hit off the deck on number 14? Founders Club all the way. Founders, you know the Founders Club at all, Toby? I remember the logo. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. Those. those were sweet. Yeah. Couples use that? I think, yeah, Freddie did. Yeah, he, anything Freddie uses is cool, right? So, yeah, Founders Club all the way. <laughs> That's great. Now, if you look at one of those, too, though, even though it was a metal wood, He's a tiny head. I mean, it's like smaller than today's like five woods, you know? It was pretty wild that we used that as a driver. Yeah. All right. Um, favorite meal of the day, breakfast, lunch, or dinner? <clears throat> breakfast, uh, because I, I'm i a routine kind of guy, and I don't have to think about it. Like, it's it's the same thing for me. Um, now I'm, I'm a little more healthy than I used to be. I'm scrambled eggs with an avocado. My kids like to call it eggocado. Uh, I smash them all together um, along with this chia seed, flax seed kind of mixture that I got going. Uh, used to be like frozen waffles uh, with cottage cheese to, to get some protein. Um, that was my old thing. But I, I, I just, I like that. I don't have to think about it. I just, I know that's what I'm making. I'm, I'm off and running. I usually do too. If I'm at home with the family, it's a standing up breakfast. You know, it's like, there's other stuff going on. I'm unloading the dishwasher. I'm, maybe helping somebody with their vocabulary words for their quiz that next, you know, for um, uh, before school or whatever. Uh, so definitely breakfast to get the day started out right. Well, Mark, we are we're grateful for you coming on and recording with us today. So fun hearing some stories. Uh, Corky, great job. Thanks for joining us and co-hosting and asking some great questions. And before we close out, Mark, do you have any just final thoughts uh, for maybe some young golfers out there listening? Uh, I mean, I guess in terms of golf, too, I think now where I'm at, 48 years of age, uh, everything that it's taught me about life in general and, and just uh, perseverance is a huge thing, right? Um, and, and digging it out of the dirt, like Ben Hogan said, uh, it's, it, it's so satisfying. I think about the epiphanies I've had in this game of golf uh, when I've been out there and you, you think of a swing thought and you like put it to use and it works for a shot and then it works for a couple shots. Maybe it works for a whole round and then it works in a tournament where it really matters to you. And that 
I remember those different steps in my life, those epiphanies. So, so just go out there and even as golf might be frustrating, just, just keep at it. And, uh, uh, you know, strive for those epiphanies because those are so, so worth it. And don't forget to enjoy the people around you as you go out and play this game. Awesome. Um, extremely helpful. I love the taking that in as a golfer as well. So again, thanks for your time today. Uh, best of luck to Lane in his tournament and y'all have a great day. Yeah, thanks for having me guys. It was truly an honor. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the golf life faith podcast. Whether you're a college golfer, a coach, or you just love golf, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, please email us at podcast at collegegolffellowship.com. Also, check us out on Instagram at College Golf Fellowship and on Twitter at CGF Tweet. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and be on the lookout for the next episode next month. Cheers.